loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied. Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to another edition, a special edition of Pick and Pod, WFUV's NBA show, podcast show. I'm Kelly Bright alongside Gigi Spear and Will Grant. And today we're bringing you the final episode, the last episode of 20. 21 guys real special to be able to do this one with you last episode last time we're doing this till next year so this episode we have a lot to get to we're going to do some looking back in in the past 12 months some of our favorite moments and also looking forward uh some future resolutions that we think some teams in players should have but first guys i mean i know both of you now have had uh this experience covid is just everywhere it's it's the first thing we're going to talk about today across the league just record-breaking numbers of guys uh entering health and safety protocols so first of all Gigi and Will how are you feeling Kelly I'm feeling good thank god yeah I can't believe um I got it when I did right around Christmas time and I think that this time has been um the most people I've known personally have had it which is a crazy thing. And I think that just makes it a little bit more real. And like now we're back here on Zoom in little boxes recording this. And I think that's pretty symbolic way to end 2021 the way we started it. Um, But feeling good, thank God. I am a little bit optimistic about it though, um, just because I got past it and I had no symptoms, thank God. But um, looking at the changes of the world right now, I am hoping it's on an upward trajectory. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't complain too much. Just got out of COVID protocol about a few days ago and, um, really sad today to hear that my boy Julius Randall's going in, but, uh, I mean, he's got to do his time too. So we'll, uh, we'll wait five days and see if the Knicks drop a few, but let's hope they don't. So what I'm hearing is both of you are ready for your 10 day hardship waivers, clear protocol, ready to go. (laughs) Absolutely. Kelly. Absolutely. No, but uh, most recent COVID, new- COVID news coming from Adam Silver, vaccinated NBA players and coaches who are asymptomatic can now clear quarantine after six days of COVID-19 testing, um, as long as they're shown not to be at risk or infectious. It was 10 days before that. So just like the CDC in the regular world, the basketball world, world is now shortening that mandatory quarantine time. I've seen five days other places too. So it's five or six days, either way, uh, significantly shorter. And then of course, People can also test out of quarantine with two negative results, 24 hours apart. Now, this month alone, over 214 players in health and safety protocol, um, 170 plus in the past two weeks, including six coaches. On Sunday, it was 28, which was a single high in one day. And uh, just big name after big name going in and out of protocols. Will, you just mentioned Julius Randle. That's the latest big name that news coming today actually so uh it's just been crazy to watch across the league but Gigi you were mentioning you're you're optimistic and I think that's honestly the best way to (laughs) the most positive and and truly like an an inspiring way to look at all this for me one of the silver linings 
that's come out of this is the opportunity for former players, G League players, guys who maybe thought their dreams of being in the league were over. They now have this streamlined option to get back in the league. So for me, uh, the 10-day hardship clause has been the best thing, if if the only good thing to come out of this. Yeah, and how different, too, to be a bench player on a team with crazy stars that have to enter protocols and get your name called up to not only play in the game, but to start a game, too. And I think we'll talk about the Nets a little bit later on, too. But for me, with the Nets, I saw that happen in such a beautiful way, too. Now you have Nick Claxton moving up into the starting lineup with the Nets after showing out when James Harden was out and a whole bunch of Nets players were out. They only had seven available players. So truly the bare minimum to play a game. So, yeah, I feel like I completely agree. G League players getting called up, that's dope. And the G League championship was happening the past couple weeks, too, which is just so interesting because they had to be at the top of their game for what they thought was their cap at the G League. And they're probably always striving to get to the regular league. But, yeah, I love stuff like that. You even have G League refs getting called up. Over a third of refs are out right now because of health and safety protocols. That's crazy. So, yeah, I completely agree with that optimism in that way. For me, the optimism is more just like just saying I'm optimistic. So then eventually I'll be optimistic. But stuff like that. Yeah, completely. I'm with that, Kel. I'm with that. How about you, Will? You feel the same way? You think it's it's a good thing? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's cool that different players get to come back up or like that have never been there, get to get their time to shine. Uh, I saw Mario Chalmers got signed to the heat today. Yes. Funny enough, in his graphic, he was wearing number six, which was a lot of disrespect to the king. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I like him. I think he could definitely do something but not live up to number six. But Maybe not number six, but he did win a championship. Well, I think he was on both championship teams in Miami, so that, that's cool. And also, Isaiah Thomas just signed his second 10-day hardship, oh. this time with the Mavs. So, I mean, we might start seeing guys switch around teams like this, be on one team for 10 days and then another team the next 10 days. I mean, this is really like an unprecedented time. And speaking of unprecedented, Gigi, you mentioned the Nets and that whole situation. Kyrie Irving, who whose name we talk about a lot, and sometimes we're good, sometimes we're bad, but regardless of how you feel about him, he has returned to a Brooklyn Nets practice for the first time since the preseason he what he the Nets originally after missing three games they opted to bring him back just for road games he contracted COVID immediately after they announced that but now he has cleared protocol the first game he will be available to play in will be January 5th against the Pacers that's their next uh, away game and he finally spoke to the media and Gigi I gotta say you're Nets media and I did not expect him to act as calmly and as respectfully as he did in this presser. I mean, to me, he really, he really seemed to have, a, have, you know, he seemed very calm and accepting of everything that happened. And there didn't seem to be any love lost between him or the rest of the Nets organization. Yeah. Well, I think it's just a matter of time too. I think he is probably a really spiritual and calm person in general, but going through a couple months not playing your sport competitively has to be really hard so I think it makes sense that he got to a point where he accepted it but yeah I remember coming into the season and him refusing to get vaccinated um the owners didn't want just a halftime player just someone that could play at home and we've never seen that happen ever before that being said too the Nets don't need him at all even to win a championship I would stay by that they don't need Kyrie to win a championship. 
But now you have this juggernaut of like this powerful three KD Harden. Now you have Kyrie on the road. So you have to hope that they move down a couple seeds before playoffs start. So they don't really have to host too many games and Kyrie could play on the road. Um, yeah, no, I think that's huge. So much has happened over the past couple months with the Nets and the fact that most of the league is getting COVID and that's the reason why one unvaccinated player could play now. Pretty crazy to me. And maybe he tried to contract it. So now he has uh, some antibodies for 90 days and it worked out perfectly for him in the Nets. But, yeah, no, it's definitely been crazy to follow. And I don't know if you guys saw too, but Steve Nash at one of the press conferences were like, oh, and we're the monsters. And now he just knows there's going to be so many more targets on their back. They're already first in the East. But, yeah, I think it's crazy. It's huge, huge news. And I'm excited to see him play again. That's it. Like, I'm just excited to see him play. No expectations at all. Maybe the only expectation is like some crazy dribble move to the basket, juke someone out, but that's it. No scoring triple-double expectations at all for him. Listen, he you're excited and he seems excited. A lot of his quotes were just saying how like anxious he was, how he couldn't sleep even before the first practice, and he just wants to get back out there. And, and we all know, I know all of us have played sports, at least at, at a high level, and you know what it's like to not play for a while, that feeling of just wanting to get back out there. But, Gigi, you, you kind of had uh, – maybe not a hot take, but something I would love to ask Will about, and that was that uh, – the Nets don't need him. The Nets don't need Kyrie Irving. And Will, I'd love to hear your take on that. How much of an impact is Kyrie Irving going to be going to have on this team moving forward, even if it's just for the away games? I mean, it's it's hard to really think about a team being worse off with Kyrie Irving, one of the best dribblers of all time, in my opinion, and one of the most clutch shooters of all time. But it comes down to the fact that they have so many stars on this team. I mean, you have Kevin Durant already. You have James Harden. They made it work over in in, uh, Golden State. But, I mean, there's just so many different little things that you could do with this entire big three. Plus, they have so many other players that are so good. So, right now, they're winning. As we we talked about before, they're they're winning. And we don't see Kyrie on the floor at the moment. But that's also because there's a gel that they can have going when they don't have someone like Kyrie who, you know, maybe will require the ball a little bit more than everybody else. Um, and so they're not, he's not disrupting the flow right now. The flow seems to be really good. And that's something that a lot of basketball players know. If the flow is good, the chemistry is good. It's all good because skill isn't going to take you to winning those games and everything. It's about how you, you know, can reciprocate with each other and feed off each other's energy. So to me, the, you, you bring up flow and, to me, what worries me come playoffs, if the mandates are still in effect and they get to a situation where game six, game seven is at home and they have a flow going with Kyrie in, in the away games and all of a sudden you lose that in a key game, in a key moment uh, in a playoff series, how much is that going to affect a team that has relied so much on its chemistry and especially offensively? Uh, Gigi, thoughts on, on you know coming down to a home game in, the, in a playoff situation? Yeah, I think, like you said, having experience playing sports at a high level, that must hurt. Like we were saying, it's probably great to get your jersey called in the starting lineup if you're a bench player and there happens to be a whole bunch of great players out because of health and safety protocols or getting your name called up from the G League to come play in the league now. Come on. on At home, you could play. Maybe you have... 
50% better chance to play if you're someone deep in the Nets bench. But away games, you're almost guaranteed not to play because you have this great player. And you got to be a little selfless and be like, all right, I want my team to win. How's that going to happen? Let's put Kyrie out there. Put 1-1 out there. So, yeah, I think that that would hurt a lot if you're one of those players. That is not a great thing. So it's going to be a lot of team chemistry meetings. And I feel like there's been a lot of bad press about Kyrie and his team chemistry and, like, the way he could gel with certain team members, even, like, against – our birthday boy LeBron not going to uh working well with him when the going got tough so yeah I think that is going to be something very interesting and I think it completely rests on Steve Nash's ability to be a leader for this team it should not be the other players doing it for themselves there's great vets on the team I would say even like Blake Griffin is probably such a good locker room guy across the league then you have him on the Nets roster so, yeah, I think vet leadership could help, but it's on Steve Nash and not really on Kyrie to make sure that all the players are feeling respected and feel like everybody is ready to go, no matter if it's away and Kyrie's probably going to play or if it's back at Barclays Center and your name might get called up. Yeah, I think that's completely on the coach in that point. Yeah, and it seems like for the most part, I mean, we've only really seen him respond to one media session, but it seemed like coaches, players, Kyrie, they're all on the same page and it seems like they're all supportive. So you're right. Some of those criticisms that we've heard in in the media, these stories about chemistry issues and people, you know, distancing themselves from Kyrie, that seems to all have been blown out the window at this point. So moving on from one team that has an offensive flow that's coming together, that's, that's playing well, that's in first in the East to pretty much uh, the total opposite, just uh, a few miles away. And that is the New York Knicks. Uh, they, they're on a three game winning streak, but if you follow Nick's Twitter, if you talk to any Knicks fans, it does not feel like that at all. They won their last game over Detroit, 94, 85, but they trailed that they trailed a piston teams that was without its six best players. And they were losing by 14 in the third quarter. So they just barely escaped this one, uh, which should never happen because the Detroit, this is Detroit Pistons team is the worst in the league, regardless if they have all their players or not. So the fact that they just barely uh, scraped by in this one, not a good sign for these Knicks, especially Julius Randle, who uh, as of now, he's not going to be playing for maybe five to 10 days, but he struggled in this game. He was 0 from 0 for three from three, two from 11 from the field, uh, 10 rebounds, five, just five points as a starter. After the game, Coach Tom Thibodeau said he was, quote, nicked up, and that was why he played poor. I don't really know what that means. Maybe it has to do with COVID. Um, I've seen rumors that there's something going on with his knee. Either way, his last two outings have been atrocious. He's not giving them anything. I know Nick's Twitter is ready to ban him from basketball. Uh, Will, I know you're a Knicks fan. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what's going on with Randall and are you, I mean, to be honest, are you a little happy that he's going into protocols and Tibbs is forced to bench him? Yeah, I mean, if you watch the game last night and you look at the stat board at the end of the game, the box score, it was all the starters were in negatives for their plus minus, and then all of the bench players were in positive for their plus minus, which is something that I've never seen before in my life. So basically right now, if you have Julius taking a taking a few days off, you know, getting himself back into rhythm, spending some time alone, get out of the, you know, the attention, get in his head. 
you know, figure things out. I think that could be good. And But right now we're relying on the bench and we really have the opportunity to do that because they are so strong and we have arguably one of the one of the deepest teams in the league. And like what you said before, I just want to address what you said, which which was really spot on. It doesn't feel like we're actually on the swing streak. We played the Hawks on Christmas. They didn't have Trey. We played the Timberwolves the other day and they didn't have Cat, Anthony Edwards and uh, D'Lo. And we played the Pistons, I think, last night and they didn't have Cade Cunningham, number one pick. So we're playing these teams that are just stripped apart of their most valuable, precious jewels. And it's just we're cakewalking and at the same time getting wins, but also it's like a walk through the park. So, you know, we got the Thunder next, too, which isn't really any help. But, you know, that's good that we have Julius out for that, that he doesn't have to, you know, go in there and embarrass himself in OKC. Anyway, uh, sorry, that was a little bit of a tangent. But we're back to you guys. That's how I feel. Well, so with Julius out, Gigi, I don't know if you want to take this one. Uh, Someone's got to go into that starting lineup. And I know a big there's a big pressure on Tom Thibodeau to put in Obi Toppin, who has probably has been the heart and soul of this team, even though he has yet to play more than 28 minutes in a game. I mean, even in their win over Detroit, he played in 22 minutes, he had nine points, four rebounds, and he held Sadiq Bey to just one of five shooting in the fourth quarter. Sadiq Bey had dropped uh, 24 on them in the first three quarters without Obi guarding him. So, I mean, this kid has just been ridiculous for the Knicks all years. He leads the roster in player efficiency rating. Uh, Gigi, to me, it's time to put him in the starting lineup. There's, there's, there's no better time than now. Oh, I completely agree. And I can't believe I'm the only person on this podcast right now that hasn't been to MSG for a game this season, <laughs> or ever, actually. Um, yeah. We got to get you there. Oh, my God. I'm going to find my way to watch a Knicks game because – all right, this is a different tangent. I basically saw a Knicks game when the Knicks played um, the Nets. I mean, Knicks home game. They made it their home. And I respect that. And that's something about the Knicks that I think is going to keep them going. I think probably the biggest question rather than like game to game thing for them is, are they going to make the playoffs and how? I think that's like the biggest thing to shoot for. But talking about changing the starting lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Obi Toppin should be in the starting lineup because the Knicks are such an exciting and young seeming team and so gritty in the fact that, I mean, Will, I don't think I agree that it's that crazy for more bench players to have plus minus in the plus rather than the minus. But I think that's something that's unique to the Knicks is that they have players that want to play and like, they are always an underdog in themselves. And then as a team too. And I think Obi Toppin really exemplifies that. And like to see him play and ignite, Knicks fans in particular and you could tell too something changes between the players when he's in the game so yeah I think it'll be really exciting I think it'd be good for Knicks fans maybe will you'd agree for um Toppin to be in the starting five and yeah this is better time now than ever and I know you guys aren't happy with a lot of moves Tibbs is making the fact that they were down by so much in the third quarter to the Pistons was really really telling about his coaching um yeah I want to know what you guys think about him too how important is the coaching in this scenario I think that the coaching is one of the stronger parts that we have right now for the Knicks including their deep bench and to your uh to you raising that question whether Obi should be starting or not I I'm gonna have to go with no because 
coming off the bench, he's he's given life to a starting five that seems right now pretty dead. He's sparking them up. He's going up for high high lobs. He's getting the fans like rowdy and really psyched for everything, which just feeds into how the Knicks go. You see him going, and then it just travels to IQ. It travels to Kemba. Maybe it travels to Fournier. Burke starts heating up. Everybody, you got Mitchell grabbing rebounds, slamming it in. He's feeding off OB2. So I think all that energy that's coming straight off the bench is so uh, implicit in Thibodeau's uh, whole game plan. And I think that those starters are in to basically set the tone. And if they can't set the tone, they get swapped out. They get swapped out for any little, you know, inconvenience that he doesn't like, which is fine because he keeps in the players that win. And there's a lot of players on this team that want to win. And it makes me really, really assured that he's going to, you know, be able to realize who's playing well and who's not. I, I can definitely see that argument. I'd say if you're not going to start Obi, I do think you increase his minutes, get him in the more, especially when Randall does come back. I think the two of them together makes for a really strong four and five. If you're going to play a little bit of small ball there. So I think that's definitely an option. One, I got to give two players shout outs uh, after that game yesterday. First of all, Alec Burks, 34, 34 points, uh, career high, 12 of 17 shooting. So there's a guy you could probably see starting in a few of these next few games. I mean, he, I think he started a few games this year already, but uh, he's someone who he's pretty inconsistent, but when he goes off, he goes off and he plays like a top 50 player in the league. Uh, so if we can get more consistent, if they can get more consistency out of him, that'd be awesome. And another guy who we might see get some starts is Taj Gibson, who yesterday he didn't play. He only played 28 minutes. But he had nine rebounds and four blocks. He also had four points offensively, but really his defense and just his consistency, honestly, when he's in there has been something really solid for this Knicks, Knicks team, especially such a young team. Um, he is a veteran presence there. So I think uh, giving, giving him some more minutes here would be exciting as well. And from um, this is kind of a rough transition, but we're just going to go with it anyways. I want to do some New Year's resolutions because we are at that point. Uh, by the time anyone we're recording this on the 30th, but by, by the time you hear this, it'll be the last day of 2021. So moving forward, we're not quite at the halfway point, but we're pretty close. And I would love to go, go around and hear us three give some of our new year's resolutions, uh, for some teams. And for me, I'm going to start with the Knicks and my two resolutions are one, give, uh, we'll be topping more minutes and two, do not trade Kemba Walker. I know fans were before uh, Tibbs sat him, and even while he was sat, they were everyone was calling for him to be traded. I'm pretty sure on Pick and Pod, I said maybe look at trading him, but we've seen how well he's played since he got uh, he got reinstated back into the lineup. Even though it might have just been because there weren't enough players available, but he has made it his mission to prove that he belongs there. He's averaged last five games. Uh, he's averaged 25 points, 8.3 assists, nine rebounds. Last four games, excuse me, he was the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, and I think you got to keep him here. Uh, there's a reason he, he's New York native. He belongs here, and I think he's proving uh, himself more than that. He's more than deserving of being on this team and being a starter. So, my first New Year's resolution is for the Knicks: give Obi Toppin more minutes and to keep Kemba. Gigi, give me give me a New Year's resolution. Crazy. Crazy New Year's resolution right now for the NBA. LaMelo Ball, our all-star. I don't think it's that crazy of a thing. I think he could be on the all-star team. But I just think it's crazy to say that. Like, even after Rookie of the Year and everything, it's just like, 
something about him being the youngest ball brother is just insane that he's a potential all-star. So for me, resolution would be to watch him in the all-star game. Maybe he also be doing a skill competition, maybe like three-point shooting or something. But yeah, he's been so exciting to watch. His stats are crazy. And I would love to see him keep going. Um, that's more optimistic one. A little more pessimistic is I'm excited for the Lakers to turn it around in 2022, move up the ranks in the Western Conference, and really look like they could hold their own as a championship team. And they haven't done that yet. I think it's really hard to watch them, actually. Your boy has. Your boy's been playing great. That's the thing. 37 in the loss, 37 whole points, and we don't win the game. It's crazy. I mean, happy birthday, LeBron. I want him to be happy in 2022. And, yeah, so another resolution would be for LeBron Ramon James to have a smile on his face come June and hopefully there. Got a LeBron for his birthday, too. Turns 37 today. And Yeah, that's – yeah, that's one of the highlights of my my year right now is his birthday today. Uh, this is my favorite holiday. Gigi, I got to ask you a question. So LeBron, he started at center on Tuesday and had 32 points, 11 assists, 11 rebounds. Uh, that snapped their five-game losing streak. I wrote down one of my potential resolutions is to have LeBron be a center more often and to play a little more small ball. You, are you are you in or are you out? Is that too hot? Is that too no, hot? I'm so out. I think that's so like – well, yeah, okay, the stat line you can't argue with and snapping a losing streak I think is huge. But that move to changing positions for him, we've seen so much. Like, even him just starting as a guard, literally a point guard for weeks on end, it it was great while it lasted, but I just don't think it's necessary a necessary change. I think it could be cool just to see him maybe, like, go in for the jump ball or whatever, but – no, I don't think it makes that big of a difference. I think that was a little bit of a, a coincidence. See, for me, I'm like, all right, spread the floor a little more for Westbrook, give him an opportunity to score with the ball in his hand. But I also understand and respect it. And you are, you're, you're the LeBron guru, so you know. You know. But I do see exactly what you're saying. And th- that's the that's the question for the Lakers is what's going to be the solution to get Russ involved with LeBron on the court too. So yeah, okay, okay, I see what you're saying, but. I yeah I don't think LeBron needs the position next to his name I don't think matters that much all right Will what you got uh I got two um so overall I mean we were just talking about LeBron did anybody else know that he's the uh leader in NBA turnovers uh of all time uh anyway uh and leader in a lot of other stuff too yeah yeah, leader in playoff points too like (laughs) Well, I, I think that is a huge stat. Turnovers is like one of the most telling stats, I think. Also has, like, I think played by far the most games or whatever, something like that. Anyway. <laughs> I, true, uh, true. Still impressive, though. Yeah. Last night, he he had five turnovers and so did Russell Westbrook. So my New Year's resolution for the Lakers is for them to k- take care of the ball. Uh, I did the research and Russ in the last six games has turned the ball over. 33 times compare that to Chris Paul who's leading the Suns right now in his last six games he's had 12 turnovers so think about it in that perspective he's had 21 less turnovers than him in that span so I think that the Lakers if they want to be efficient if they want to take care of business stop patting your stats getting triple doubles every night and they want to start winning they got to start taking care of the ball for once all right number two (laughs) 
there's there's <laughs> there's 29 teams in the NBA right now that don't have Ja Morant. Their resolution <laughs> for this year is to lock him up. He had 41 the other night. Uh, oh, he had 41 last night, I believe. Uh, he had 33, four rebounds, four assists, two steals, only two turnovers. The other night beat the best team in the league, the Suns. He put on, bro. He 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 knows how to put a crowd to sleep. That's not at their point. Like yeah. the yeah. they came off wrong. But uh, yeah, so you know, all twenty nine teams that don't have John Morant, just like you know, try to do your best to stop him. That's a league wide resolution. I like that one. That's a good one. And he's he his own fans were kind of they booed him his first game back. Like they were like, we don't need you. So so they. I mean, clearly he's proven them wrong, but. I got to give another one to my Celtics. I am a Boston fan, unfortunately. After the past few years, it's been really tough. I'm every every day I'm becoming more of a Knicks fan. Um, but Celtics sitting at 16 and 17, disappointing again. Uh, don't have a point guard, no leadership. Um, my New Year's resolution for them is that it's just simply to shoot better. Like get in the gym and work on your shooting because it is abysmal. Jason Tatum, 32%. That's his career low. Schroeder shooting a career low. Marcus Smart shooting a career low. Romeo Langford, career low. All in their shooting percentages. And in this day and age, I mean, we talk about, if you want to look back on the year, talk about Steph Curry and his shooting, what he's done for the league. you got to shoot the ball to win the game, win games in the NBA now. And the Celtics are just, just simply not doing that. They're shooting 34% as a team from three. And they're also, I mean, there's so many other problems there. Uh, they also turn the ball over a lot. I think they're bottom three in the league and assists. So they have a lot of problems, but my one resolution for them is to just get the ball in the hoop, to be honest. And bring back Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> On his third hit, maybe that maybe his third time's a charm. <laughs> it could work. It could be a difference maker. <laughs> All right. Any last minute, other re- resolutions that you had before we go to our favorite moments from the year? Are we ready? I'm ready. Ready? All right, Gigi, Gigi, if you're ready, give me your favorite basketball moment from 2021. Now, this is this is both seasons combined, the whole year, January to December. Favorite moment from 2021. Oh, oh my God. There's this a lot. It's a very hard question. Um, I would say... For the NBA, I think it was great to see Giannis be so successful. That was just really nice, and I think he's just such an exciting player and really likable. So, yeah, I think that was just really heartwarming, for one. That would be, like, one reason, a heartwarming one. One thing that got me, like, just fired up goes back to the WNBA, though, and that was the Liberty making the playoffs i think that was gigantic and honestly the whole wmba tournament they're going to change the format but the way it went and you had team lower seated teams ended up winning and the sky winning it all i think it was just such an exciting tournament last minute additions like the new york liberty coming in man that was a great great season and that is just my overall NBA, WNBA moment of the year. It was just the championship. And that includes the whole playoff run for the Liberty too. that just made it by the skin of their teeth. Uh, not in a good enough ranks to play one at home, unfortunately, but yeah, that was huge. That's what I would say. 
All right, Will, good luck following that up. I mean, she just flat out went two championships. Good luck following that up. Yeah, that was, uh, that's quite an answer, Gigi. But uh, I got <laughs> the first game of the season. The Knicks played the Celtics. Double OT win. Jalen Brown had 46, but Julius Randle had 35 at the gate, nine assists. It was really fun to see my team just come out and you know, beat one of our biggest rivals. Uh, that was huge. Also, Mitchell Robinson had 17 rebounds in that game. It was fully back and forth, and you know, we went. We ended up winning in the last in the last overtime in the second overtime by four. So that really got us pumped up. Also, the fact that half of my house we got. I live with six guys. Three of them are huge Celtics fans. Three of them are huge Knicks fans. First game of the season, we we're watching it downstairs, screaming for two hours screaming it was it was the most fun time i had watching a regular season basketball game so yeah got to give it to that next next new york first game of the season next time that's the bing bong game isn't it yeah i don't i mean not to like be that person but that yeah. video came out of that game i'm pretty sure yeah it might have. i'm not uh, hip with nick's twitter i try and stay off twitter because it's bad I, for me i got that from just going to the game i mean it's everywhere it's on tiktok yeah. Like it is literally everywhere. Nick's fandom is another, it's another level. That's what I've learned this year. Um, That being said, Gigi, you took, you took both of mine, but I have some backups uh, because I was going to say Giannis's 50 piece in game six. And then the fact that Candace Parker uh, went back to her hometown and brought the championship home. I thought that was extra special. Just like seeing her emotion after that win. I mean, 13 years with the Sparks, she comes home finally and brings home, uh, the first championship, WNBA championship ever uh, for the Chicago Sky. So I, I also noted that. And I'm going to say something that happened literally December 14th. I referenced it earlier in this episode, but seeing Steph Curry break that all-time three-point record is pretty special, something we're most likely never going to see again, at least not in our lifetime. So uh, especially the fact that it was at MSG, Ray Allen and Reggie Miller both in attendance. I thought that was something that was really special, but Overall, it's been an absolute crazy year in basketball, both good and bad. Gigi, like you mentioned at the start of the show, uh, we started with COVID. We're unfortunately ending uh, with COVID protocols and such. But all that aside, we've seen some great basketball. We've seen teams from small markets emerge to be the, the powerhouses in the league. We've seen players team up with each other at a magnitude we've never seen before. There's still a lot of crazy storylines uh, that are definitely waiting to unfold in 2022. And just know uh, that everyone at Pick and Pod will be here all year in 2022 as well to take you guys through that journey. So just want to thank everyone who's listened this year. Want to thank WFUV for giving us all the chance to host uh, episodes throughout the year. Basketball is so fun to talk about, especially with you guys. So that's going to do it for this episode of Pick and Pod. But from Will Grant and Gigi Spear, I'm Kelly Bright. Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.